everyone. You're listening to Green and Gold, a cannabis podcast that talks about all the big issues related to this very big industry. Today, because it's a blustery 63 degrees in Los Angeles, we are kicking off the official holiday season with a special Thanksgiving episode. Yes, it'll be some recipe and food talk, the very basics, because who am I kidding? I can't cook anything. But don't worry, we'll talk to someone who can, Chef Unica Knoll from Seattle. She'll tell us about some of her favorite cannabis holiday foods, why she was ordered to cease and desist um, holding her cannabis dinners, and why Washington really needs a social equity program. this idea of cooking with cannabis. I mean, everyone's pretty familiar with homemade weed brownies and stuff like that. And some of you advanced chefs out there may even make your own weed butter or oil that you can then use to incorporate in nearly anything. But there's a whole class of chefs like Unica that have simply begun working cannabis into their everyday recipes, kind of like you would any other ingredient. It's Using this element of restraint, not just using cannabis to get high, but really knowing how to harness the different elements of it, carefully measuring THC dosages, using things like terpenes, which are the basically the flavor essence of certain strains of cannabis, using all these things that really distinguish this new class of cannabis chefs from the aforementioned weed brownies that you had in college. So today's cannabis food landscape is basically a whole new ballgame. In California, upscale private cannabis dinners have become a new norm. A chef known as Jeff the 420 Chef started hosting pot Shabbats a while ago. Basically, they're a cannabis version of the weekly holiday and dinner observed by Jews. Then there's Grassfed, a cannabis events company that hosts really highly curated evenings of microdosing cannabis through edibles and cocktails, and then combining this whole experience with music and virtual reality. Then there's just a ton of mainstream and upscale catering companies that now offer cannabis versions of their meals and are experimenting not just with THC, but with CBD, the increasingly popular kind of portion of cannabis that we hear a lot about that can give you a body high or have medicinal benefits without the psychoactive powers of THC. Okay, so there's the bird's eye view, but to find out how this really works, we're going to talk to Unica Knoll, the chef I mentioned, who is the founder of Lovin' Kitchen in Seattle, Washington. She specializes in cooking all types of soul food, um, like pork rinds and cobbler and cornbread, and sometimes she does it with cannabis. She's also been ruffling a few feathers up there by working a little ahead of the curb, like hosting cannabis-infused dinners in Seattle before there were even rules or permits governing it. So let's talk to Unica. Aside from soul food, I would probably use high-end and comfort food to describe my food. I do like to cook a lot of other things besides soul food. I love to make pastas and, you know, and to play with high-end ingredients. What got you into cooking in the first place? It's 
been a thing in my family. Um, my grandmother went to culinary school for a while, and she had, you know, a whole bunch of kids. So she did a lot of cooking. My grandfather used to cook. So, you know, my aunts and uncles and mother grew up cooking. And so it's just kind of something that my family has always done. Um, I had a few uncles that had rib restaurants down in Tacoma as well for a while. Has there, through all these generations, has there been a few recipes that made it to you <laughs> that you still cook today? Well, yes and no. Uh, my grandmother was not real good at giving up the recipes when I would ask her for things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she was very Southern. Uh, she would say things like, I don't know how I makes it. I just makes it. <laughs> so I would have to kind of figure out by taste, you know, is this how I remember what she made tasting? But as far as actual recipes, no, I didn't get those. <laughs> 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 okay, so guarded guarded family secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and so did you end up going to a formal training, like a culinary school, or has kind of everything been just self-taught and life experience? Uh, I did actually go to culinary school. Once I kind of made the decision that, you know, this is something that I've been more passionate about in my life than any of the jobs that I had had or whatever else was going on, I decided to quit my job at the time and uh, go to culinary school. And it, I think it, it helped me. It filled in some of the gaps in my knowledge and kind of helped polish some edges. And, of course, practice. you gotta, you got to keep doing it. But it definitely uh, was worthwhile for me. What made you decide, um, you know, to start experimenting with cannabis and incorporating it, like you said, in at least um, some of the food you make and experiences, you know, you create for people? There are a couple of reasons. One, it was my first experience with an edible. Uh, I was given a lollipop, and it was an experience unlike any I'd ever, ever had before. You know, uh, everything, you know, I was talking to people in the grocery store. I went on a walk, and I'd eaten this lollipop on my walk. So, you know, talking to everybody, the music's great. Everything was just sparkly and happy. So I had to go home and figure out what was going on. I started doing research and you know, there are a lot of uh, different health conditions in my family. You know, there have been a lot of cancers and, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure and things like that. So the more that I read and the more I kind of found out about the health benefits of cannabis, it made me more interested in continuing to work with it. But being that my grandmother was diabetic, I was also interested in trying to find a way to introduce something cannabis infused to her that didn't require the sugar or fat. So I just, it required a lot of experimenting to get to that point because this was, you know, eight, nine years ago, we didn't have half the articles on the internet as far as cooking recipes go as we do right now. Mm -hmm. So there was uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of unknowns out there. So I've had a lot of fun experimenting over the years. Um, and I'm curious, what did you come up with for your grandma, at least in the beginning? I started experimenting with uh, flowers and keef. And, you know, just including them into the recipes in their raw state, learning about temperatures and just the different things that are expressed at those various temperatures and what the benefits are. Um, there's just there's a lot that can go into it, especially when I had no previous experience with cannabis. I didn't smoke weed in high school or anything like that. I tried it a few times in college. I didn't really care for it. So, yeah, I just, I, a lot of experimentation. You mentioned flour, and I had seen um, in other interviews with you, you talk about making infused flour, which is super interesting to me because normally, um, you know, we do hear about butter and oil kind of being the go-tos. How kind of mad science-y did you have to get to actually come up with how to make a flour using this? <laughs> 
I, I, <laughs> pretty, I got pretty deep. It really <laughs> got intense. I don't even know. People wouldn't believe me if I told them some of the things that I had rigged up to try and figure this out. You know, <laughs> uh, I would make different baked goods and the medical dispensaries were very helpful for me in this regard because at the time I could bake something at home and take them into a dispensary and ask them, would you try these or have some of your patients try these and let me know what you think you know, so that I could develop a product that would be beneficial to, you know, people with cancer and things like that. And so that became a focus. And so then potency became a question. And so, you know, how do I make, how do I use the flour? How do I make this thing more potent? There was a whole lot that went into getting to the point where I was able to make 200 milligram brownies or, you know, a five milligram complete dish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of a lot of work (laughs) and and so tell us a little bit about love and kitchen like you said um you cook for lack of a better word um normal non-cannabis food and then also (laughs) cannabis infused food and i had read that you had been doing um cannabis dinners in seattle and then the city basically told you to stop can you tell me a little bit about what what happened and kind of what your progress has been since then (laughs) yes Uh, it was a very very sad day in my life I was depressed for a while so I had been doing pop-up dinners Um, I'd gotten to the point where they were happening monthly multi-course cannabis infused soul food dinners and I'd had some write-ups and a few online publications and things like that that were cannabis centric and so since I'd had publicity, I didn't really think too much about it when someone from a mainstream publication approached me about doing a few pieces. And so at somewhere, some point along the way, someone contacted the city of Seattle, the state of Washington, and the health board here in Seattle uh, to inform them of me <laughs> and uh, what I was doing. And so that in turn led to two officers from the city of Seattle's Department of Finance and Administrative Services coming to the kitchen where I worked to ask me questions about my dinner. And during that conversation, I said, okay, I understand what you're saying, what you think I'm doing wrong. Here's what's happening in other cities. Let me do some research. I'll figure out what I'm doing wrong, what they're doing right as to why they're being allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. And I will make I will make the appropriate changes. And so the following month I did that and I received a citation from them. It was, I believe, uh, either 1000 or $1,500 was the cost of the fine, um, but they did threaten me if I continued to do it, the fines could include, or up to and including jail time is what they said. So they basically threatened to put me in jail if I continued to cook these dinners. God. So I got an attorney. <laughs> I got an attorney. And the, the crux of the situation here is there is no business license. There's no cannabis business license here in the city of Seattle. And so they have put me in a position where Love and Kitchen as a business, as a caterer doing pop-up dinners, it cannot do cannabis infused dinners, host cannabis infused dinners until it obtains a cannabis business license. And so until one exists, I can't obtain one. So I'm stuck. Oh, wow. And so well, so what types of licenses are available? The only type of license that is currently available is what's called an I-502 license. That was the initiative that passed the recreational cannabis here. Um, if you have one of their categories of licenses, then 
you still can't technically do it, but there are ways around it that people have found because mm-hmm. they're happening. They're just happening undercover. Gotcha. Um, so it's you. That's the only way to be or to legally sell cannabis products here in Washington. That's really interesting. Because people think about um, Washington and Seattle in particular, I think, as being super progressive and ahead of the curve in a lot of things related to cannabis. So this that's that's really right. interesting. And I know, um, you know, I had seen you mention before also in one of your interviews about how you had looked um, at um, California, which is where we are, and some other states in terms mm-hmm. that where this was happening. And I'm curious kind of what your feelings are now, you know, especially as California, you know, we're almost a year into legalization, I guess, what do you think um, we or Colorado or some of these other states are doing correctly in terms of handling these types of licenses and creating experiences where people can do these infused dinners? Because, I mean, yeah, I know of 10 off the top of my head that operate in L.A. pretty out in the open. <laughs> and that's that's what I feel like other states are doing right. They're allowing it. They're not stopping it. It's a natural progression of things. It's just something that some of us saw coming sooner than others. And we've been out here kind of promoting it and working hard for all of these years and now that it's come to a point where the mainstream media is paying attention to tell people that they can't do it <laughs> is not fair mm-hmm. so to and especially when there is a there's a, a demand for it where people are curious about it they're interested in it they're finding out more about cbds we're working more with cb with all of the alphabet letters that cannabis provides us we're doing all sorts of different things these days and I think it's just ignorant to stop it in any way, shape, or form. I think the smarter thing to do is to get behind it, work with people to figure out whatever your concerns are, find a way to mitigate those concerns, but then support it because it's an entire industry by itself that needs an opportunity to grow. What do you think makes it so attractive, not just to chefs, but to obviously the pretty large demand of consumers who want to try this? I mean, besides the like, yeah, people who are looking to get high or maybe they're interested in food, what's the kind of communal aspect to these dinners? And what do you think has like really given it so much fire and growth over the last uh, year or two, I feel like, especially? I think it's a number of things. The fact that the legalization has been around for a while, you know, so people have gotten more comfortable with the idea of cannabis being in our day-to-day lives because it's there. <laughs> there are billboards there. You know, we have a lot of states now that have some form of cannabis provision. Uh, and so people are curious about it. And when you tell them that, you know, it's in low doses or there are also things available here at the dinner that you can eat if you're not interested in, you know, in consuming cannabis, people, they want to know more about it. They want to have an experience that wasn't whatever brownie experience they had 20, 30 years ago, you know, because it may or may not have been a good experience for them, but they remember it. And they remember a lot of times the the experience that they had of sharing with other people, whether it was the brownies or the joint, whatever it was. And so that those are positive memories for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So when you bring them back to that, that's something that they want to share in. And it's a different communal experience when cannabis is involved. And I just, I think it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I miss it dearly. 
I'm actually looking into traveling to be able to do it in other places since I can't do it here. I'd wanted to also ask you a little bit about the social equity angle. California as a state recently passed a bill supporting social equity programs, um, Los Angeles and Oakland and San Francisco and a bunch of major cities in California and their process of rolling out social equity programs. And I'm, as far as I understand it, at least um, Seattle and Washington don't have a, a formalized program like this. And I'm kind of curious what your um, thoughts are, you know, being part of the industry, um, if you see this as something that uh, Seattle is lacking or, you know, what role a program like this could serve um, where you live also? I... <laughs> I, I have heard that City of Seattle attorney Pete Holmes was examining doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's absolutely critical. I think it needs to happen. I think a scenario that's allowed to exist where someone can get out of prison and then have to go and buy cannabis from the son or daughter of the police officer that put them in prison for selling the same cannabis just not in a retail store, you know, 20 years ago is ridiculous, mm-hmm. it's unfair. And then to bar them from being able to be involved in the industry when these were the pioneers of the industry way back before you sent them to prison, like it's just, it's ridiculous to me. And so I think I, I applaud, you know, all of the, the council members and people that were involved in making those decisions uh, and pushing that forward because, I think that is a huge part of social justice equity, especially when it comes to cannabis. Have you come across people who have like been barred from entering the industry um, or people who have wanted to get involved but have been kind of limited by their backgrounds? I'm just curious how much um, you know, you've actually seen this in your day to day kind of involvement with the industry there. Oh, absolutely. I know people that have, you know, criminal records for drugs related offenses, marijuana offenses, whether it was, you know, the amount of marijuana that they had on them or possessing it or selling it, who have things on their record that they're considered unemployable for. So they wouldn't be eligible to work as a bud tender in one of these recreational stores. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, can you tell me when was the first time that you uh, introduced weed to your Thanksgiving dinner? And is this something you've actually brought home to like the family table? (laughs) Uh, it's been a few years since I first did that. Uh, I think I started off, I made a gravy, of course, you you know, I had infused butter and coconut oil. And so I made a few things, but mostly in the beginning, just dosing myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I graduated to uh, I, my family gathering that I took infused peach cobbler to. So that that went over well. I took one infused and one non-infused, but my family <laughs> kind of knew the deal at that point. So plus it was kind of green, <laughs> so you could tell. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was a few years ago. But they enjoyed it. It was a good time. But it's since I've been doing this for a while, it's become something that people sort of expect from me, mm-hmm. uh, which has been surprising at times. You know, and 
it's been surprising some of the people that have asked me, oh, you didn't bring no, you know, <laughs> no, I <laughs> didn't know it was that kind of party. You should have told me. Uh, <laughs> but the dinner that I received the citation for was the Thanksgiving that I threw last year where I used the Pearl 2O, which is the cannabis-infused water. I used that to brine the turkey, and I used that in some other aspects of the turkey and just in different dishes throughout that meal. But uh, it was a it was a very good time. Everyone enjoyed themselves immensely. I have candied yams. That's one of my favorite things to make at Thanksgiving. That's using the butter and sometimes sugar, just depending on what I've got on hand. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, you know, what you think is a good starting point for people um, who either maybe want to actually cook their own, um, you know, infused dish for Thanksgiving or buy something to bring to family Thanksgiving? Like, what do you think is a good kind of accessible starting point for someone? Do you mean as far as the food item goes? Or In terms dosage? of food and do- <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> I think probably okay. both, especially in terms of dosage. Like if someone wants to spice up, you know, family Thanksgiving with their parents and grandparents, what what's a good thing that they could maybe bring to the table? And then, of course, warn everybody about... <laughs> What do you think is a good kind of starting point? I think because I think, how do I put this? I tend to be critical nowadays of the overuse of butter in cannabis infused foods, because mm-hmm. I think once you're beyond the beginner level, there are a lot more things out there that you should consider or, you know, options. But at a beginning level, I think butter is a great introduction uh, because it's something that people know how to use. They don't necessarily overuse it because it is butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, an easy way to say, okay, it's butter, just use a little bit. And it's weed butter, so really just use a little bit. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I think that's a good starting point. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Um, and what do you think, you know, moving forward, like I said, there's been so much discussion lately about all these other elements of weed you know it's not just about um eating food and getting high it's about the certain tastes you can get um and the new you know very kind of fine dining even recipes that i've seen out there um what makes you the most excited about kind of continuing to work in this realm and experiment and come up with new stuff one of the most interesting parts for me right now is seeing what the scientific information says. We've had a lot of anecdotes over the years. We all know that cannabis affects people in certain ways and certain strains do certain things for us, but we've never had anything solid to back it up. And so for me, you know, cooking a meal and having people ask me about the strains that I use and telling them that, you know, well, I like to use this because it, you know, has this effect or I think that it makes people feel this way. It's all just been my word. But now as, you know, the information comes out about terpenes and different cannabinoids and, you know, the conversation, whether indica and sativa are really the main, you know, factors between what the different high is. Is it really the terpenes and the cannabinoids? It's nothing to do with that. All of those conversations excite me right now because it's information and it just, it, it backs up all of the things that we've been saying that people have just kind of looked at us as, oh yeah, you just really like weed. 
You know, mm-hmm. oh, there are a lot of benefits here. <laughs> like, no, I know I, this is a real thing. Yeah, maybe I have enjoyed a lot of cannabis in order to get to that point. But <laughs> there's a point here. So that excites me. And I, I found myself reading like white papers like this. I've, I've really nerded out on some things lately. I've surprised myself. So okay. <laughs> it's been pretty, pretty good. <laughs> okay, awesome. And then just um, before we wrap up, you know, I, um, you had mentioned your candy DMs. And I know earlier you sent me some delicious looking photos of cornbread you have made. Um, and you mentioned gravy. I'm curious, you know, what else you're going to be making for Thanksgiving this year? Oh, man. Uh, of course, you got to have cranberry sauce if you're going to have turkey, though I prefer fried turkey these days. I mm-hmm. took the leaf and <laughs> bought a, an electric fryer, so there will be fried turkey, Cajun-infused fried turkey from oh, now on. Wow. Uh, but cranberry sauce, the candy yams, macaroni and cheese, uh, collard greens, you know, cornbread dressing, just a few things. Uh, <laughs> maybe some mashed potatoes, you know, and gravy. And we've got to throw a vegetable in there. Usually I do uh, braised green beans. Those are one of my favorites. All right. That's it for today, folks. To check out some of Unica's recipes or just drool over some of her food photos, you can head to her Instagram at HeyUnica. That's H-E-Y-U-N-I-K-A. Or check out her website, Love in Kitchen. That's L-U-V-N-K-T-C-H-N dot com. As always, you can find me on Twitter at EPFox and Instagram at Penny underscore Gadget. Yes, spelled like Inspector Gadget's niece and named after her. If you decide to make any cannabis-infused food for Thanksgiving or any other time this holiday season, please tag me on Instagram so we can share your braveness with the rest of the world. Also, make sure to tell your friends and family before they eat it. By the time you hear this, I'll be elbows deep in pumpkin pie, so enjoy your holiday. Remember, you've been listening to Green and Gold, a Table Cakes podcast. Table Cakes Productions is a woman-owned, LA-based podcast network, and you can check out our other shows at tablecakes.com. You can also support Green and Gold by visiting patreon.com backslash tablecakes. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash tablecakes. Happy Thanksgiving, buds.